You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 499. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, with whom I'll be discussing the pilot episode of the 2012 ABC fantasy series, 666 Park Avenue, as our reward to Fred, who is uh, I'm probably our longest listener and, and certainly our, our first Patreon supporter. So, Fred, um, unfortunately, as you point out in your feedback, uh, no more Hemlock Grove. Yeah. <laughs> so at least for now yeah well uh, yeah i mean but <clears throat> yeah who knows like because i mean it's, it's not like they burned the tape on it or something so you know, <laughs> no. they still have hemlock grove somewhere i'm sure it'll pop up somewhere else but yeah i don't even know like because i mean that was a netflix original so i'm sure they have all the rights to it it's just like how much does that suck right like for the people <laughs> that have hemlock grove they just can't do anything like they just have to you know, like Netflix just says, well, we're just going to pull it and uh, we're not going to pay anyone and we're not going to give it to anyone. Uh, but I don't know. I guess eventually someone says, hey, you know, we want to show Hemlock Grove on our new station or something and give them enough money. I guess Netflix will it'll turn their head maybe. Okay. Well, we'll see. Um but anyway, you know, uh, Fred, as we mentioned, supports us on Patreon, uh, as do Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. If you want to contact us with feedback, questions, comments, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do that. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. So uh, a couple of news commentary items that I want to bring up Uh Wondering if anybody out there saw the premiere of The Ark on Sci-Fi. D- did you see it? I did not. Totally forgot. Okay. Um, but okay. I think well, I can and recover I it on, pay- on whatever. Like, there's some way. I think yeah, I, I think the first night it's on Sci-Fi, and then the next night maybe Paramount Plus, which I think you have anyway. Oh, I do, but so, you know, Dean Devlin and uh, – God, I can't think of the guy's name from Stargate – uh, you know, I was a bit underwhelmed, but I am going to give it some time. Uh, you know, you, you, we were talking about cliches before we started recording. And, you know, there's a lot here that I'm watching. and I'm thinking like, oh, well, that's just like Battlestar Galactic. Oh, well, that's just like the hundred. Oh, that's just so. Again, the the pedigree of the show's creator is, is such that I'm certainly going to give it is some it, time. Uh, Brad Wright, is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, uh, you know what? I don't think it's Brad Wright oh. though. So it must be somebody else from uh, from Star uh, Stargate. But anyway, the next streaming casualty that I ran across not only has Snowpiercer lost its streaming home on HBO Max, but apparently there was a fourth and final season that was set to air on TNT. No. And TNT just took it off no. their schedule. What? No word when, oh, where. Come on. Yeah, I know. I just don't know anymore. Unbelievable. Yep. Uh, um, I can't a, even cancel TNT. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, and I know Fred really enjoys Snowpiercer as well. Now, on a more positive note, Suzanne mentioned last week about going into some of our back catalog, and she pointed out one of the take fives that I did about viewer intelligence. And I went back, you know, almost cringing. All right, what did I say? (laughs) How, How diplomatic was I or was I not? So, you know, I did go back and listen to that and then one begat another and I ended up listening to about five or six of the take fives from that was 2014. But the one thing that did strike me is some of my comments about my wife's viewing habits. And what I will say is at the time, both of us were working, you know, we've, we've both since retired. So, uh, we didn't have as much time to watch television And while she, you know, I would say she's not a genre fan, but, but she is, I mean, my gosh, we just finished humans last night and she's like, well, why haven't you and Wayne done this? Like, well, we've we've talked about it. She's like, well, does Wayne not like it? No. I'm like, no, no, Wayne likes it. I like humans a lot. 
Yep. King so, Arthur um, but, you know, I think at the time, because she had such a high stress job that, you know, she just literally would just turn the TV on and, you know, I could go up probably in, I'm exaggerating, but you get the point, go up and wave my hand in front of her eyes and she wouldn't even blink. Right. Well, you guys also so, were waking up crazy early in the oh morning Oh my God. Too, yes. So, yes. Like, I mean, yes. I completely understand that. It's, it's like, yeah, but, uh. But, you know, and it made some comments about crime dramas, not not really negative, but, you know, I really haven't changed my stance on the American crime dramas. So, you know, anyway, so I found that pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, I think I'll go back and listen to a couple more <laughs> there. Uh, you know, and, and in fact, I think we've mentioned this, I don't know, maybe in the last year or so that that the take fives were born out of uh, scheduling conflicts. You know, Now that you're children are all older you have far fewer yes scheduling conflicts right. obviously but but when we started all of your kids were in high school or below all athletes all activities yeah, yeah. So, i remember at first i would like drop i can't remember what i drop a kid off at hockey drive out to your house uh we'd record but we, you know like we had to be like right on an hour because then i had to leave to go get them pick them up from hockey practice again so yep Yep. Ah, the good old yeah. days. So, all right. Anyway, uh, what are you watching this week? Um, well, I finished Ashes to Ashes. And, you know, Dave, I I think at some point I'm going to really want to go and podcast Life on Mars slash Ashes to Ashes. The, those shows were, um, you know, again, not perfect shows, but, but really, really good shows, especially character-driven shows. And um, the ending of Ashes to Ashes was awesome because you have a, you know, basically a series finale, not just for Ashes to Ashes, but also for Life on Mars. Because really, at the end of Life on Mars, we don't really know 100% what the deal is and what's going on. And, you know, that's that's a tough nut to crack, right? To to pull together two really good shows and five seasons of that and uh, to, you know, where the whole time we're wondering what is actually going on. What is the deal with this place? And uh, I think they did a really, really good job. It was about as good of a last episode outside of MASH. And I'm not saying it's like the second best because like the last Battlestar Galactica was good. Um, the L word obviously is down at the bottom of that list, but you know, it was just a really excellent, satisfying, emotionally, satisfying end to a, a very good series and i miss it already but i'm not going to renew my Brit box uh subscription for another month so um like i said if anyone knows of any way i can grab my hands on some region one dvds of ashes to ashes please let me know but it was it was great i just really really good uh i would recommend it very very highly okay. now on well even life on mars is is I'm I'm not finding it on any free streaming services. So yeah, I think uh, that's it's all, it's also a BritBox. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. But I have the DVDs um, for Life on Mars, though. Okay, and we did the pilot for the British version I, back in 2016. Did we? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's it's awesome. So maybe maybe someday we'll get to go back and, and revisit that, but. Um, on the other end of the awesomeness scale is the Harry Styles. I think Florence Pugh is, you wouldn't know her because she's in the Marvel movies. but Well, I know her because she's on the cover of some magazine that Mary gets oh. that just came like Vogue okay. or Harper's Bazaar or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she's super gorgeous. But um, So they're in a movie called Don't Worry, Darling, which actually is a genre movie. Kind of starts out stepford wives ish you know this perfect place and everyone's perfect in their lives and this kind of 50s ish vibe going on late you know early 60s late 50s kind of vibe um and of course there's something terribly wrong with this world and she starts to see the cracks and everything um so i, I watched it on the plane we were going down to florida and i caught like maybe the first hour of it or so maybe 45 minutes and it, it was okay you know uh, I was going to watch the rest of it on the way home, but it was not, you know, no longer available to watch on the plane. So uh, Friday night, we that was our movie night because I know my daughter loves Harry Styles, so I knew she would, she'd be in on it. It'd be easy to convince her to watch it. 
But uh, I think even my daughter, who likes Harry Styles, was of the opinion that it was a pretty bad movie. So, um, so if you uh, if you think about watching, don't worry, darling. I would say, don't worry, darling. Just don't watch that movie. It's not good. Okay. Um, though there are attractive people in it all over, so yeah, you know, it's got that going for it. Last but not least, real quick, I, I am almost. I've been like three episodes from finishing the season four of Jack Ryan um, on. Amazon Prime, and as always, it is awesome. And I know it's not genre. Probably a lot of people out there would not be into spy thriller kind of uh, movies, but uh, John Krasinski is fantastic. He's such a good actor, just everything. And his Jack Ryan, um, you know, I don't know if I, I always kind of like thought Alec Baldwin was my favorite Jack Ryan. Of course, Harrison Ford did a very good job. But uh, I think this John Krasinski might now be my favorite Jack Ryan. But uh, this excellent. Really, really good. Uh, Tom Clancy, Baltimore boy, no longer with us, so, but uh, wrote the, uh, you know, the Jack Ryan novels. And yeah, just, it's like, it's literally like watching a movie, except it's like eight hours long. And so it's, you know, four times as good. So nice. All right. Um, I've mentioned humans, obviously, over the past couple of weeks, including tonight. Uh, my wife and I finished the third and final season, and I forgot how powerful that show is. And I, I just can't believe it didn't get renewed for a fourth season. Now, you know, we've talked a lot recently about shows being canceled before their time. And I will say, I don't know how long it's been since you've watched it. I forgot a lot of the third season. And I most definitely forgot a lot of the details of the, the season and series finale. That said, it does work as a series finale. While there's room to continue the story, I'm perfectly fine with the way it ended and, you know, without and, well, giving... I, I, it's actually funny because that, the, I can't remember the name of the actress, but the lead actress in Humans is also in Don't Worry, Darling. She has a role in there. So. Emma Chan? Yeah. Or, or Gemma Chan? Yes. I yeah. said I couldn't oh, okay. remember, so I'll just say yes to whatever name you throw out there. <laughs> okay. But you're the one well, watching it, it now, so you should, you're the authority. Well, was it, now. was it Mia or Niska? Uh, Mia. Niska was the blonde. Mia. Okay, Mia was the brunette. Yeah, okay. she was like the, the, the main character, right? Yeah, well, right, right, right. Okay. Pretty much shows about so. her. So. Now, the other thing, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the listeners know, and as I'm sure you do, that, that originally it was a Swedish series called Real Humans that had two seasons of, I believe, 10 episodes each. And um, then the British version that, that you know we both watched basically you know worked worked off of that well what i learned was there's a 2021 chinese version really that has 30 episodes and i'm looking 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 and i have not found a version that has english subtitles so i put on the pilot and put it on my laptop my wife and i are sitting on the couch watching it obviously they're speaking chinese and there are subtitles so i don't know if they are korean subtitles you know because maybe they're selling it to korea or not you know but yeah. but clearly it's you know not english and we're watching and since we've seen humans the british version we kind of know what they're saying and it was a lot of fun to watch it for about 15 20 minutes and of course we're you know jazzing up some of the dialogue yeah, so you and just uh, make up your own dialogue it'd be hilarious man <laughs> Right, but uh, so yeah, I'm going to keep tabs on that, and, and hopefully at some point there will uh, be English subtitles. But you know, maybe not now that uh, we shot the balloon down. So yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> what the, all right, what that's the all I got, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, like China, you have satellites, you have drones. Why are you trying to send a big balloon over freaking Montana, man? Like, yeah, well, so whatever. Anyway, we're not right. a political show mostly, so no. So, all right. Well, let's get to six 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 Park Avenue, episode one, season one, titled "Pilot," written by David Wilcox, who wrote for Fringe as well as Life on Mars. Directed by Alex Graves, who directed the Fringe pilot. Oh, 
aired September 30th, 2012 on ABC. It aired in the 10 o'clock Sunday night slot. Oh, wow. Just started them off in that slot, huh? Did yeah. They now, Did they want anyone to watch it? <laughs> well, you know, here, it, it, we'll get to in a couple of minutes. Uh, I, I'm not sure what to make of a lot of this show, but it's based on a 2011 novel by Gabriella Pierce. 13 episodes. The series was canceled after the seventh episode. It was pulled from the schedule after the ninth. So they have four episodes and what they did a few months later in the summer, they just burned them all off at once in the summer. And then that was that. So firefly them. Yeah. Um, Now for me, I, I can't help but make a comparison to Lucifer show i know you haven't seen and we watched the first episode yeah yeah but in that series because i I, look i i think we both know that gavin is the devil or at least he's a diabolical character at the least well or he's working for the devil and and he communicates but uh you know in lucifer lucifer grants favors but he doesn't expect anything in return so nefarious as we get the sense from 666 park avenue so whether gavin's the devil or his minion it almost doesn't matter we we get the idea and ordinarily yes and and look virtually every week we talk about how we we deal with fred's feedback long before we actually hear his feedback and tonight will probably no different but why didn't this show succeed? Now, 2012, 10, 11 years ago, uh, I, I don't want to say it predated streaming services, you know, because they were out there, but certainly not to the extent that we have them now. Heck, 10, 12 years ago, people were probably still getting their Netflix uh, shows and movies via DVDs in the mail right. to a certain extent. But one of the things that strikes me is, I wonder if it just wasn't edgy enough. I mean, you're putting it on 10 o'clock at night. I mean, if you're going to highlight sexy, which they clearly are, well, then go for it. Now, I, I get it. It's ABC. It's network TV. Would it have had a better chance if it was on Netflix or HBO? Well, it would probably have to be better to have a better chance, but. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, okay. And, and, and certainly that's, you know, I guess one of the, the issues that, that strikes us and look, you know, I, I think you probably said it most recently that you generally want to give a show three episodes or so before you make a decision. And yeah. when, when you look at this show again, why didn't it succeed? I mean, you've got Terry O'Quinn, mm-hmm. Who, who plays Gavin, a.k.a. the devil, who's fresh off his run as John Locke in Lost, arguably the most high-profile show on network television at that point. Yeah, but, you know, the so, ending probably put so many people off, maybe. Well, yeah, I'm, I I'm guess, but I mean, <laughs> I, I know. But, but I mean, in terms of an actor, I mean, I mean, he's certainly... Yeah, he's definitely uh, very notable, noticeable, notable high-profile actor. Yeah, um, his wife, Vanessa Williams, yeah. who you instantly recognize again. I'm yeah. not sure I what she's... I even saw her nude when I was a teenager. Oh, there you go. And then, uh, of course, Rachel Taylor, who those of us that watched Jessica Jones know her as Jessica's best friend, Trish Walker. Now, that, but I think Jessica Jones is later, though, wasn't it, or something? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But I'm just saying, you, you know, I'm, I'm watching this, I'm like where do I know her from? Yeah, exactly. And, and then when Fred said, I'm like, Oh yeah. To it. Yeah. There's quite a few people here. Like, uh, the, uh, guy, Oh damn it. The writer. I can't remember. Brian, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was in a uh, zombie. Oh, okay. He, yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't write his name or his wife's name. I just called them the writer and the photographer <laughs> in my notes. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote it down because I'm like, yeah, this major from iZombie. Like I, that, that was, a, that's a really good show. That was a great show. So, um, and he was awesome in that show. Uh, one of the main characters. So it was, it was yeah. good and, to see him. 
Right. And a guy that plays Henry, a guy named Dave Annable. Now, he was in a movie called, or I'm not sure if it's a series, called What If, which is on Netflix. Well, yeah, I don't want to say it's on Netflix because if you blink, they take it off. Right. But um, but I didn't really know him, even though he kind of looked familiar to me. But I guess the point I'm making is you've got the guy that directed the Fringe pilot for Crying Out Loud. Yeah. The guy that wrote the episode wrote for Fringe and Life on Mars. You've got some really top-notch acting. So what the hell happened? Yeah. No pun intended. Well, I mean, like, I, I mean, I know I was joking, but I mean, only half. Like, they put it in a really shit time slot. Well, yeah, and when you go back and look at the numbers, and and you can't really look at viewership anymore because in 2012 there weren't as many options as there right. are now. So when you when you look at it, it's like, well, geez, they had like you know six million viewers. Well, you know, back then that wasn't all that great. I mean, it was okay. Well, but I can tell you what might have been one problem is okay. that Game of Thrones season two was in 2012. Okay, so what what month did they pre- premiere? Uh, it was in September. Oh, well, no. Game of Thrones started in April, I looked up. So that wouldn't have been it. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, I mean, but HBO kind of owns Sunday night. So, you know, but they're at the 10 o'clock slot, they are dodging that whatever show HBO is running at, at you know, Sunday night at 9 o'clock. But, I mean, let's face it, there's not a ton of people watching anything except for maybe football. Uh, at you know ten o'clock on a Sunday night, yeah. So you know, I I think I like this a little bit more than you did, and that might be an understatement. I I looked at it as kind of a fun first episode. I did watch it when it originally aired, and I stopped after a few episodes to be honest i don't necessarily remember exactly why but i i certainly did give it a chance but you know let's go ahead and break down some okay. of the episode and uh, you know the opening scene we get that concert violinist he's playing furiously and we see his fingers begin to bleed well okay you, you, the title of the show <laughs> 666 park avenue and and i will say that was pretty cool visual when you go to the building and it's like oh it's 999 and then you see the shadow right but not of the the words just the numbers Uh, right right just the number so that was kind of cool yeah that that was cool that was actually pretty cool little visual effect that they did there Um, his fingers are bleeding a man and a woman kind of look on knowingly from the audience well, and, then and the he, dude is Terry O'Quinn in the ladies of right. Williams, so we're like, right, cool. Right, but we don't know who they are right. in terms of the story yet at, at this point. But he packs a suitcase, got his passport, and look, anytime you see somebody packing their passport, you, you know they're serious. Like, what is, I mean, I, I tend to see the devil as kind of like this metaphysical concept. So why do people always think in shows about like the devil and selling their souls that if they could just physically run away, that they can get away from them somehow. It's like, yeah, or or you know, redo the contract that they originally signed. Yeah. But you know, but but all of a sudden, he's seen any TV or movies about the devil? Like, ever? Oh, I'm telling like, you, man, that's just sloppy. So he stomps on his violin, crushing it. And and again, if anybody knows the cost of a concert level violin you know i mean this this dude's violin probably costs ten thousand dollars or so and and you know while it's probably insured i'm not sure it's insured against stomping on it if you're gonna do that do that to the end of the show get some like punk rock value out of this man don't just crush it by yourself in your room come on and then uh, and and then cream's crossroads playing in the background but jack johnson or jack yeah jack Jack johnson right jack johnson yeah yeah but anyway, so we hear the the fact that the ten year contract is up. Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson, thank you. Okay, um, anyway, sorry. And time to settle. He's begging for another year, and then he gets sucked back in through this tiny little opening, yeah, and that's when we like, see. How do you give Robert Johnson another year, bro? What do you think you're going to get out of me? Come on. All right, so we get right away making a deal with the devil. 
the devil wants his due and okay so got it is this going to be a person of the week that has sold his soul to the devil and that's what it's going to be i mean uh, don't know why you know i didn't watch the second episode so i don't know if that's what they do in that but but well but it quickly you know, shifts. mentions it like they they establish a group of of characters and all of these characters have something that they want or need right so they everyone here is susceptible to his to his schemes charms what whatever what have you because everyone has something that they are willing to make a deal for right right and and right away we see jane going into interview for the building manager job and and we see that that gavin and olivia are the owners i guess of the building and and, uh, they dismiss her out of hand now in retrospect was that part of his plan does he know how desperate she and her husband are because you know we learn later in the episode they basically have no money right so the fact that they get this gig where they have an apartment that they don't have to pay for is just yeah you know a, a godsend uh, again and of course no they don't ask any questions they're just like oh well we totally deserve this right and she uses her research about the building's history as a selling point and that seems to have the opposite effect and of course she asks i can't remember if she asks about the previous manager or if he points out that well he moved somewhere warmer yeah. <laughs> i'm like okay uh, cheesy but cool right. I, I like that well yeah um, it, it is kind of you know like i mean that was one thing um you know, just the whole as she's walking out, she throws out one random fact, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh look, years of experience have just appeared on your resume. Look at that!" You know, just like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you, you definitely get the feeling that, um, that, like as you said, that that Gavin is uh, like this is all part of that. He knows how desperate they are. He knows what they have to offer. And uh, he knows that he can get them to sign a contract and they won't even read one word of it, despite the fact that the one guy's a lawyer. Right. And, and right after he hires them, he tells his wife he'll get Henry through Jane. So what does he want Henry to do? Well, you know, again, we kind of get a sense that, that Gavin is not well liked in the New York real estate community. Yeah. <laughs> to say the say least, the least right? yeah. so you know will he want to use him to you know whatever you know perpetuate whatever dirty deeds he wants to do i mean that would seem likely um, would you say he wants him to do dirty deeds done dirt quick i was you know what as soon as i said that <laughs> i wonder if wayne's gonna <laughs> yes i would dirty and deeds. uh Done the quick, cheap. Damn it. Hold on, let me do that again. Dirty deeds. Done the cheap. There we go. There we go. All right, cool. I haven't, yeah, I haven't done the um, same thing in a while, so. And no, I, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you definitely should. Um, but, you know, I mentioned that we learned that they are basically broke. They're in, uh, invited to a black tie event, which they, of course agree to attend i mean why wouldn't you your, your boss just hired you and asked you to go to this so why wouldn't you yeah. you know he's like i gotta dust off my tux um you know and, and one of the things i love about her is that you know she's not even really that concerned with what she's gonna wear now maybe you say well look she knows how attractive right. she is but still so I really like that about her character. And in fact, you know, she ended up picking up a bargain dress uh, that she was planning to wear. And, and of course her husband's not going to tell her that, yeah, it looks okay. Nah. It, it looks fine. He knows, okay. he knows the game. He knows the rules. One of the things that 
Gavin wants her to do is walk through the building because she this is her day gig. Like you mentioned, her husband, Brian's got uh, a job as a lawyer, so he's out of the house during the day. So she's got to walk through the building looking for issues. And apparently there are quite a few of them Two, at least two women comment on her necklace. And I kept meaning to look at her necklace and again, you know, we've talked about Chekhov's gun. So are you bringing that up? Well, undoubtedly. Well, well, I mean, they don't do it this episode, but at the end, you know, like when uh, the the thief girl grabs it and she sees, like, she gets a flash of, I guess, a future flash. Um, So, you know, clearly this necklace is significant. Right. And, you know, she's fixing a light bulb. We see that creepy ghost-like figure, you know, standing behind her. That I liked. That was pretty cool. Well, and I think the building's mysterious past is the biggest selling point this episode has so we don't know what this mosaic on the basement floor was originally used for as she points out to her husband you don't put this intricate a piece of art in the basement so what was it used for what was this room used for back when the building was originally built. So, you know, we don't necessarily learn that, but, but obviously, but you know, it's going to be orgies. Uh, well, or, and, and they're probably knife and blood involved as well. So, uh, well, then we see that, uh, front page story about a slain judge. John Barlow calls Gavin. And apparently it was Barlow that killed the judge. And in return, Gavin, brings back his wife from the dead and and we see non-ghoul mary sitting on the bed wearing a nightgown and and we're wondering you know again i obviously people in our line of work are extremely familiar with the short story the monkey's paw yes so you know listeners out there if you're not familiar with it you know basically it's just just no unintended consequences yeah. and never so, ever wish for someone who is dead to be back from the dead unless his name is jesus then it's okay but other than that uh let the dead rest because right it's not so good. i Right. So I think we know, at least, again, at least people in our position with our, you know, experience with that short story figure, well, this is not going to last. We're wondering, is she even going to be conscious? Is she going to be, you know, kind of like zombie like? Right. Because her head was like turned at first. Right. And I was like, oh, man, when she turns around, she's definitely going to have like corpse face rocking. But that was not to be. Right. Now, um, you know, you mentioned the name of the uh, the husband and wife. He's a playwright. She's a photographer. And we learn that her assistant quits. Meanwhile, we see that uh, he spends a good part of his day peeping on the neighbor in the building across the street who clearly knows that he's peeping on her. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, she's probably dutch and doesn't believe in curtains so she'll just ah uh, there you go yeah. well played yeah <laughs> um, so thanks she fred just you know goes and takes her clothes off in front of this window in new york city and of course she 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 hooks a fish you know her as you said what what she's doing is is definitely not accidental his seeing her is not accidental you know now that she is louise's assistant uh there you chances of uh, tomfoolery going on with brian i believe are high yes and then it's a question whether or not she has some sort of a connection with gavin and olivia which i would certainly think is has a distinct possibility you know i stupidly innocently thought all right gavin invites henry to hit golf balls what could go wrong you know, meanwhile, Jane goes to the library to do some building research. Olivia intercepts her to take her shopping. But then we quickly learn that uh, this was all a setup to put Henry in a compromising position, which he even points out the compromising position. Not that Gavin, I think, needed to know that. Right. Well, so, it just gives him a chance to be like, oh, 
wow. Didn't even know, bro. Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, obviously we know this is, you know, going to come up later on in the, in the series. Now she takes Jane dress shopping and Jane's ready. I think to allow her to buy her a dress until she looks at the price tag. And, and again, I love the fact that no, uh, I'm not going to let you do this. And on the one hand, I was surprised that Olivia let her get away with that. She does take offense, leaves her. Jane doesn't take the bait. But uh, again, as we see later on in the episode, um, the, the dress gets delivered anyway. Were you shocked about the dress's color that she ended up getting and wearing to the bar? Not ball? at all. Right. So, but, but yeah, for Olivia though, it this is like she's a, this is like her her having control and power over Jane, right? Because sure. Jane feels bad for saying no. I don't want you to buy me a four thousand dollar dress, and she acts all huffy, and then so and gets it for her anyway. So hey, all this just all this stuff just puts Jane more and more in a position where she's beholden to uh, Gavin and Olivia. Right. And so coupled with the fact that Henry has been deliberately placed in a compromising position, you know, you know, that the Gavin and Olivia have their hooks in right from the start. So it's going to go downhill in a hurry, I would suspect. But Jane gets to the library finally, and she and we discover the Drake's infamous past mysterious fires mary barlow committed suicide by jumping from the drake uh, whether or not there were any orgies uh, i'm gonna say there probably were hey, at some point so the, the whole place yeah. smells of yeah. orgy oh yep but uh, how can you we, not you just walk in the nah, place like, know, man we gotta have an orgy in this place some point sometime right it's perfect but, for it. but i love gavin's line there were some good lines in this one you're only renting this life, my friend. Make the payment. Yeah, that was a good one. And so at this point, we know that that the first requirement was to kill the judge. Now he wants him to kill somebody else. And, you know, I guess the question is, will Barlow go through with it? And, you know, he tracks his target, but then he can't go through with it. And then, of, of course, he returns, finds his wife who's already looking much worse for wear. Meanwhile, Beethoven's Seventh Symphony is playing, and it's like, it's just perfect music that accompanies this scene. Her entrance, you know, again, it just, I don't think it was slow motion since it was just uh, her and her husband walking. If there were three of them, she could have been, you know, at the right, center with right, the other right. two flanking her. We've seen that, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well done, my dear he tells his wife and and again we we know that uh now you mentioned the new photo assistant which is of course the the woman that he's been peeping on how'd you find her no i don't know i just looked out her window and she was naked so i said i need to hire her Right, right now okay the elevator malfunctions and she's trapped presumably injured i don't think we find out how seriously she's injured do we um, um no i don't think so yeah, but it looks so, pretty bad uh, i mean like the elevator door was kind of slammed on her middle pretty pretty hard yeah there. yeah so that's gonna uh, leave a mark yep now jane and henry almost have sex after returning from the symphony dude was this close that but, i know so close but as many times as i've had sex in this episode i think um, I'm not going to, you know, he's not going to feel too bad. They missed this one opportunity. Yep. Now she's creeped out by Gavin's stairs. Are we going to be okay here? She asks him. I'm thinking like, no, yeah, definitely <laughs> not. Well, he was putting like naughty images in her brain when she was watching the opera or whatever, you know, like, yeah, yeah. And then she turns so, around and she's like staring at her. Like I, I, most people at that point would be like, you know, uh, let's just get that cheap apartment you know out in queens and let's live there instead because this guy is is bad news yeah like, how now, can you what, not at the end of this 
you're especially you're you're about to sign a contract that he wants you just to sign it, not even read it. At this point, like there's been more than enough evidence that the Barlows are just really creepy, uh, you know, people and should not be trusted at all. But they're just like, oh, let's sign the contract, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, as he tells Barlow, it's time to settle up. What'd you think of the special effects with the wall and the the hands? Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, uh, I thought it was cool. Uh, Fred did not like it, but I thought it was. I mean, I, I I totally get what he's saying. Like for a first episode, it might be a bit much, but I think the special effects are pretty wild. So, yeah, yeah, and and you know where he goes, I, I guess he's and going somewhere warmer. Yeah, yeah, but then you know one of the last. Well, we got a couple more scenes, but but we see Jane. She gets out of bed because she hears something outside their door, and. You know, she goes out in the hallway, and we see this figure flash by, but she she doesn't see it. So that's how we know it's really there. And then she gets locked in a stairwell. Now, on the one hand, I'm thinking like, all right, well, wait a minute, who locks stairwells? But well, six six yeah. Well, Park I've, Avenue, I've, so. I've gotten locked in the stairwell at our school before, so okay. Well, <laughs> she sees someone. So, uh, de- the answer to your question would be, uh, I do. Okay. I get locked in stairwells. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, she uh, sees somebody descending the stairs, follows them, ends up in the room with the uh, dragon mosaic, except it's as if, you know, it was just laid. It looks perfect. We see these plush benches kind of, you know, in, in a sort of a, a circle. And she walks toward the door that's no longer there, finds herself on the roof thinking like all right a little 1899 feel to it sure. you shouldn't have come here mary barlow tells her they're never going to let you go so now we're wondering all right at this point i'm not really thinking that it's a dream i'm just thinking that it's this haunted old hotel right yeah i, I didn't but, think it was a dream either until like the, the next scene where she wakes up right but her feet so, are dirty and her feet are dirty. Exactly. So clearly she was out walking. So, you know, I'm trying to remember, was it uh, Impulse where we saw, you know, that was the, you know, the girl that teleported. Yeah, I remember Impulse. And I think there were similar scenes where we're trying to figure out, well, did she really teleport? Her feet are all dirty. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, a a similar idea there. So what exactly that means? Um, Okay. Clearly she did walk about. uh, Put your clothes back inside your suitcases, pack up and say, I'm out. That's what that should mean. But of course, instead they signed a contract. And by the way, did I mention they didn't even read the contracts before they signed you it? You did mention, and I was half expecting them to uh, sign it with a red pen. Right, but no. right, definitely. Uh, um, you know, because, yeah, okay, the red dress, all right, fine. Uh, he went somewhere warmer, fine. It's like, yeah, okay. So, you know, on the one hand, and Fred points out, there are a number of cliches in this first episode. And, uh, okay, that's fine. It's kind of a setting it up to be a fun show that we're not going to take it all that seriously so if they can come up with some clever writing they've they've got the actors to pull this off so whether or not the writing you know meet certain standards that i think a lot of us genre fans expect again it goes back to not to belabor the point why didn't the show succeed so right well anyway. i mean like i mean obviously the network did not have a really huge commitment to it, right? I mean, if you put it in the Sunday night, 10 o'clock, I mean, that that is not a good time slot at all. And I, and I guess maybe you're, you're thinking, okay, well, we got Terry O'Quinn here, and we're going to draw people to it. People will come to us. They will come to this time slot that otherwise is not you know popularly watched, but if we have some big stars and we have a – good show people will come to i mean that's how hbo made sunday night in the first place right like sunday night was not must see tv and dare i say must see tv which is what nbc did with thursday night right back in the 90s like putting 
Friends and Seinfeld uh, right next to each other. You know, they they made a time. They took a time slot that was not popular, and they made it a thing. Right? HBO did it with nine o'clock on Sunday night. So maybe that was kind of their thought. But it just seems like they didn't have a very huge commitment to the show. And uh, pilots are, are tough. Have we've said a number of times, right? Because you have a lot of stuff you're trying to do. You know, a you're trying to you know, bring in an audience, right? You want people to watch it and be hooked and want to watch the next episode and the next one after that. Um, so that's like the main thing, but you also are introducing, you know, your, your, your cast, right? You're introducing your, your, the players that are going to be in, in this thing as well. You are in, in this case, establishing like some kind of mythology as to what this, basically this story is going to be all about. That's a lot to do. That's a lot to take care of in, in one episode. And uh, as we have said a number of times, unfortunately, that um, when either like people don't give it much of a chance, like you probably should give a show three episodes, but a lot of times nowadays it just doesn't happen, especially streaming nowadays. You know? But it, even back in 2012, you know, people there was a, there still was enough going on outside of just what was on. Uh, you know, regular network television that if a show didn't grab people right away, um, that they could just, you know, leave it and go watch something else. So the final uh, scene is that young woman who we saw her in an earlier scene just in passing. And we've heard tell about, you know, items being stolen. Well, she's the, the one. She told right. Jane that there's someone is stealing shit. And then it turns out it's her. Which right. again, not and, a surprise. Right. But then that vision of Jane in the red dress and an axe swing, presumably into someone. All right. That was a pretty cool way to end the episode. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, what else you want to bring up about this one? Well, just that Terry O'Quinn uh, lived in Baltimore for a while. Yeah. And that's okay. what I think I said last week that um, you know, we went to get a family picture and the photographer had a big headshot of him. And um, it's like, yeah, you know, you know Terry Quinn from Lost? I'm like, no, I don't freaking know Lost. Yeah, right. Yes, I'm not even watching the show. I know who that guy is. Um, but uh, What show? Uh, I meant the L word. You said uh, it twice, dude. <laughs> and uh, so... So yeah, so um, there's there's all kinds of uh, Terry O'Quinn uh, legends around here and everything. So pretty cool little local connection there. All right, well, why don't we listen to what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Hemlock Grove Season 1, Episode 5. Oh, wait, it's something else. 666 Park Avenue. Season 1, Episode 1. I was a little bit disappointed that Hemlock Grove is nowhere available anymore and you couldn't do Episode 5. But perhaps it's good to choose something else. Although it was quite a difficult choice for me. To do something genre or sci-fi which you haven't done yet and you possibly could like. Well, after the trauma of 1899 one season, this was a similar trauma for me, because after one season of 13 episodes, this show was also cancelled. Although the critical acclaim was much less here than for 1899, so it is not the greatest show, but I still find it very interesting. What triggered me to watch this is that I'm quite a Rachel Taylor fan, Although something stopped there, possibly as well. I got some internet gossip that she retired from acting and modeling. And the last thing you find of her on IMDb is that she played Trish on Jessica Jones. And that series ended in uh, 2019. By the way, it's great that you do this, that your Patreons are allowed to suggest an episode that you do a podcast about. So once a year I did Hemlock Grove, uh, every year the, the next episode, but okay, that's over now. Uh, and although it's uh, 15 months ago, uh, it doesn't matter. I really find it a great uh, service, a great uh, little gift. Okay, going into this first episode, this pilot, this premiere... I have to admit that I 
of course, already saw the whole first season, but it's quite some time ago. But after seeing the pilot, a lot comes to my mind. Because this first episode lays a lot of seeds for storylines further on in the series, some more obvious and some quite hidden. First of all, we have, of course, the story of Jane van Veen and Henry Martin. Van Veen is, of course, a Dutch name. A nice, energetic, loving, good couple at the beginning of their career, going to the big, big city, to the big apple. And a lot of fortune seems to fall in their laps when they are arriving at the Drake. Getting a nice job, getting a marvelous apartment. You could wonder with what will happen if this relationship that seems to be very good is a good fortress, a good stronghold to everything that comes on their path. Or there could be cracks, probably caused by the evil and devilish influence of Gavin Doran, the owner of the Drake, and his wife. He is played by Terry O'Quinn and actually I think he has the best role and the best performance in this series. You really have the feeling that this Gavin Doran is a kind of devil that trades favors for favors and that mostly goes wrong. So I really wonder what the contract Jane and Henry signed with him, what that will result in. Is there some trick there? Uh, have they promised certain things that they don't realize and have to pay the price for that later? Of course, there are many other characters and perhaps storylines. Actually, you could argue that this is the opposite of 1899, that you have in the pilot too many threats and too many hints in which direction it will go, and therefore being a bad or cheap series. One of the storylines is, of course, Brian and his wife Louise, or Lou, and his interest in Alexis. And how does it come that Alexis becomes Louise's assistant? That's coincidental. Or is there somebody influencing that? And now Louise has major injury and she will be in the hospital. So that means that Brian possibly will be more alone at home. So that will be very tantalizing. And he has a writer's block. Is somebody going to help him there? And what will be the costs? The return favor. Killing people for Gavin, like that John Barlow, who wants to have extra time with his wife, Mary. And here we immediately get the idea that it is really a supernatural show, because this John is sucked into a wall. Perhaps that was a little bit too much for me for the first episode. And then we have the little story of that girl, Nona Clark, who is obviously stealing stuff. And then we have, of course, the history, uh, really history research that Jane does because of the mosaic in the cellar of the Drake. I think that's an interesting and compelling story. Okay, how would I grade this episode? Well, because of Rachel Taylor, I would go to an A, of course, but I even think an A- minus is too much. I think the story is very interesting and I can assure you knowing the rest of this season some predictable things will have a nice and unexpected turn of course but because some of the stories are perhaps too predictable and perhaps too many in a pilot at once so more or less the opposite of 1899 um, I would give it a B plus. I think it's a quite interesting show with quite some suspense coming up. Okay, thank you for doing this again and looking very much forward to the second season of Fringe, which I really will love. And in The Last of Us, there is a little bit less Anatorf than expected. So this will extensively compensate for that. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Now, Fred gives it a B+. Plus. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a B. I, you know, I... I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I, I watched it and, you know, for me, after a few minutes, I was like, all right, so I see what this is. You know, I'm just going to sit back and have some fun with it. So yeah. I thought, you know, I'll give it a B. I'll give it this. I, I, I'm giving it a B minus, but I will give it this, is that a lot of times we say when a show ends and you're like, oh, we're at the end already? That's usually a good thing. That means it was a very well-paced show right? It yes. doesn't drag. And that totally happened with this. Like at the end, like, 
wow, it's, it's done already. That's um, so they did get a lot in. Uh, they kept the pace going. It, it wasn't. It never got boring. It didn't. You know, at no point was I looking at my watch saying how much longer till this thing's done. So, and, and of course, the the, the actors are, are are really good. Like this has a really good cast here. Um, so there was a lot going for it. But I just can't. The, the the number of cliches in it, I just was just too much for, yeah, for me to so give it well, anything above a B minus. I mean, and and as I said earlier, when you look at the pedigree of you know the writer of the pilot and, and certainly the director of the pilot. I don't know what happens down the road with the other 12 episodes, but you'd like to think the writing gets better and that, that the show picks up and maybe it was just something as simple as you point out that the, the 10 o'clock slot on a Sunday night was just too much to overcome. So that's what would definitely, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's a good show, you know, like it's solid show. There's definitely, a lot worse crap, or um, there was in twenty. I, know, I can't remember what else was on in twenty twelve, but if one of the shows was Survivor, and th- then a lot of shows like that, then yes, there was a lot of crap on television. That I, I just think that 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 time slot was just they set them up for failure, you know. Yeah. So so it's just now, laughable thing- that they didn't even let them, you know, show the whole. 13 episode run like what did you think was going to happen like what do you have better to replace this you know yeah i don't know but the one thing fred points out that i didn't realize is that rachel taylor has apparently retired from acting and of course she plays jane and not only jessica jones but the whole marvel universe where she was in luke cage the defenders as well but you know, Fred's right. I mean, after those shows, 2019, she really hasn't done anything. And I, I tried to research what she might be doing now or, you know, why she hasn't gone, you know, onto any other roles, because I can't imagine that her agent hasn't been able to find work for her. But I haven't found anything. So I don't know. Maybe she's just taking a break. She's still pretty young. So I yeah, I mean, I only found like one questionable site that has anything about her retiring, and it, it said it's a rumor that she's going to retire. So, yeah, there's always going to be for someone who's as attractive as Rachel Taylor. There's always going to be like you know roles for you, but you're right. It doesn't look like she's done anything recently. I'm pulling up her IMDb page. So I don't know. Maybe she's taking a break. I know she was a model. I know she. Uh is a spokesperson for some makeup product. I forget. I read it somewhere, but uh, anyway, yeah. anything else you want to be, you know, she wants to just take a break and chill and yeah, take a break. And you know, she wouldn't be the first person to say I'm done. And then all of a sudden come back. Like, you know, look at Liam Neeson. How many times that guy said, you know, Tom Brady, dare, dare we say, All right. Well, Fred, thank you for the feedback. I assume we'll be doing episode two of 666 Park Avenue and down the road about a year from now. (laughs) So uh, anyway, dude, what do we got up on the uh, calendar for next week? Um, I believe we have season two of Fringe uh, next week. We do indeed. Yeah. yeah, Looking forward to that. Yeah, you know, I don't want to say that our decision-making has improved over the last year or so you know, when, when it comes to picking our next project, but eh, this one wasn't too hard well, for us to make. We Fringe twice, so, you know. Well, that's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point, so. It takes up right. quite, quite a bit of the year, so. But, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched uh, to get back to Fringe, you know, like, but uh, that's yeah, one of my and, all-time and how, and how apropos is that, it will be episode 500 for us. All right. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll get drunk on the air like uh, uh, there you go. Anderson Cooper yeah. on New Year's Eve on CNN. Yeah. No, they couldn't do it this year, though. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The CNN told them they couldn't drink on, on air. Oh, uh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Which, and, and so, therefore, no one watched it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, listen, let's go ahead and leave it there. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the peripheral, 
1899, 6 Park Avenue, anything going on in your genre world, check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 2, Episode 1 of the Fox series Fringe. But until then... You know, Dave, like I said when we first started this podcast, we made a deal. You kept your end, I kept mine, check the bedroom.